This is Michael, you're listening to Models of Masters, and I'm so grateful you're here. I'm breaking down personal stories, learned wisdom, and pieces of insight I hope can help you along your journey. Head over to my website, michaelbecker.org, for much more. And with that, let's get right into the show. What sectors or what industries have you been a founder in? And when did you first start with your journey? Because, I mean, a six-time founder, that's that's quite a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, man. It's, uh, it's kind of interesting. I had entrepreneurship in my blood. So my very first uh, entrepreneurial venture being a founder was back in college. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I was a college student struggling to pay rent, get food, you know, buy food, make food, all that kind of stuff. And I had a, uh, a landlord that was um, pretty flexible. And uh, so he would let us pay as we go with our rent. A lot of times you had to pay up front, semester started, all that. And so one time we were late with our rent and we went over to his place and he, he lived locally uh, by the school, you know, owned some properties, all that. And yep. uh, so, so me and another a, a colleague or friend, a frat brother, actually, we noticed a, uh, a kind of a deserted hot dog cart next to his garage and it was covered in weeds. And so we kind of immediately looked at each other and said, wait a minute, I got an idea. And it kind of feels like we both had the idea at the same time. But when he came out to get our check, we kind of offered him, hey, how about we take that hot dog cart, which I guess he had re repossessed or taken custody, custody of at one of his houses. How about we take that, clean it up, sell some hot dogs and give you a cut of the, the proceeds of that towards our rent. So we'll give you half now and we'll put this hot dog cart into use and give you more later. And so that's what we did. So my first business, we started as a, you know, with a hot dog cart in college and uh, used it to pay my rent. And, and we got wildly successful with it because uh, nobody else was doing it. Um, e even though we didn't have the necessary health permits, at least initially. <laughs> and, uh, so, so it started there and then it just kind of, cool. kind of went from there. I got, uh, I, I owned a market research company in the mid nineties while I worked on my MBA, got some experience with that one and then kind of got into software companies and owned a couple of P2P software companies. Um, yeah. So it's been in my blood for a long time. So going back to those early days back in college, right. And having that start at such a young age. Uh, well, relative to myself, I mean, I'm in my very early 30s, but entrepreneurship was never something that was on my mind when I was in school, and I wish that it was. What advice do you have for young people um, who are looking to just get started and they don't really have that big idea? They don't really know where to go, or maybe they don't have any mentors, but they want to take action. Like, what should they be doing? Well, I think something that you're passionate about, right? So a lot of businesses today are born because of purpose and profit, right? Like if you can start a business yeah. that you're really passionate about, um, you know, then then you, like your it, it's easier for you, right? So it's easier for you to to take action to get traction, and then your customers end up feeling it too. So I would say, you know, passion related businesses are the ones to start for people. You know, they don't know where to go. I mean, a lot of people have ideas and I think it's easier today more than ever to take yeah. an idea and advance it. 
you know, I, what I would encourage people to do is to, you know, if you're not from the business side, like I coach a lot of tech founders, right? And so they're really good at coding and development and that kind of stuff, right? And they'll, they'll solve the problem for themselves and then they'll build out that solution to sell it to other people, but they skip a bunch of, you know, the business stuff that they should be doing, like target markets and product, um, you know, value proposition and product market fit and all that kind of stuff. And what ends up happening with that is, you know, they get to a point where, you know, they've advanced further than they should have without talking to people about, you know, the problem that they're trying to solve. And it just causes a lot of rework, you know, some, some money that wasn't invested wisely, you know, time and money is really important. So I guess, you know, my, my recommendation would be to use resources to seek out mentors, right? Because I think the first six businesses that I did, I never talked to a mentor or somebody that had done it before, right? But there's so much value in somebody else kind of guiding you along the way so that you don't burn time and money trying to figure it out on your own. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, part, part of it too is, you know, be, you have to be willing to put in time and to lose a little bit of money or to at least risk a little bit of both of those because that, I think that's part of the process of learning. At least it has been for me and having some, something at stake, having some skin in the game makes it feel serious it, it it makes it feel real and i think that's important as well for for growth um and progress yeah um, yeah a absolutely yep for sure and you know time is our most valuable resource i mean a lot of people say money but geez your time like you can't get your time back right you could get your money back that you spent on wisely right like if you make smart decisions going forward you could get that money back but you can't get time back I want to talk about technology and I, I want to get your take on how tech, the tech industry, I suppose B2B or and or B2C has shifted since you entered uh, in, into that, those, those niches that you were in. For me, I mean, over the past decade with what I've seen in, in B2B specifically is just this massive channel proliferation and overcrowding uh, what what feels like just a deep saturation in the MarTech industry specifically. We have over, I think, 9,000 different vendors. And for people to pick and to find the right one based on their needs is just like, where do, where do I even start? And there's so many point tools out there these days for creators and for founders. How have you seen tech change over the last few years, where do you see things going? Yeah, I see the same thing you see, right? But what I see also is an opportunity. So I think that's why this whole trusted advisor thing was born, right? Like, so not only am I gonna sell you a SaaS tool that's gonna help your business, but I'm gonna help you sort through some other things upstream, downstream that attach to the SaaS tool that I'm selling you, right? So that we get the right fit, the right integration together. And I think that's that's the issue for the user, right? Like. You know, there's all these SaaS tools and, and you know, creating my MarTech stack. And, and what do I have to do? Sign into five things every morning, five platforms, mm -hmm. you know? So uh, the last business that I was actually in, so I mentioned earlier, pivoted to, um, to more of a freelancer, right? And coaching other startup founders. But I was in a, an incubator with a software product for customer success that I wanted to just build that layered over whatever it was you're using now. So if your CRM was HubSpot and you know your uh, you know marketing automation tool was reply.io, whatever it was, 
we could layer over all that to get a full picture view of your customers um, and anyone really in the in the sales journey. And uh, so that's to me is the biggest problem is, geez, there's so much stuff out there, like you said. And, and so now I think buyers are saying, can you help me decide what else I should have in addition to your product? So I think that's, you know, so the opportunity is there is to be a trusted advisor. And it's also to partner with those other you know, there's other companies, those other SaaS tools that might connect to you, you know, within the MarTech stack and really have this collaboration and, you know, full package of stuff for people to buy. There's three A's that are that are popping into my mind as I'm listening to you talk. Advisors, abstraction, because we're just seeing higher and higher levels of tech, quote, layered on top of one another, different tools that you can integrate and pair with other tools to enhance certain <laughs> benefits. It's like, there's so much happening. And then attention is, is the, the final piece, Kevin. And I want to get your thoughts on, on all of these, but um, attention is something that I've really been thinking about a lot as I've seen what's happening in spaces like Instagram, which is becoming tougher to become discovered in and on and TikTok, where I see uh, maybe more downside than than upside with the risk of not being sure how that is all going to play out on the global um yeah. or national scene here in the us where are you seeing attention move for audiences and whether that's social platforms or behaviors across the web um where are the founders that you're working with how are they connecting with people and building their their audiences yeah, yeah. So, you know, I always describe marketing and social platforms and all that. Like when I describe it to a, especially a young founder, it's like a giant mix board, right? Like of your favorite rock band, you get all these dials and levers and all this stuff you get, you got to get right. So, you know, I hate to say it, but it really depends. It depends on the buyer, right? Like it depends on what business you're in, right? And everything starts with identifying your buyer at a very level because then and only then can you figure out how to reach them, right? So, you know, messaging is the right message to the right person at the right time, right? So, so you got to get some really deep understanding of your buyer. And, and to me, that is the best way to differ, differentiate. It's not through feature benefits. It's, you know, from by knowing your buyer better than the competition does. And, you know, so what I do is I get really deep with buyers and then we do that first, right? And if you've done customer discovery work, right? Like, if you started your business in market definition, you know, you know, trying to answer who, what do they need and want, and why are they going to choose you as the option to solve the problem, then you know your buyers and a lot of this stuff gets really easy. So where are they? You know, and there's a lot of data about, you know, Gen Z millennials, where do they hang out? Are they on Instagram, TikTok? Are they on LinkedIn? You know, are there other ways to reach them? So it always goes back to the buyer and then to set a plan to reach them based on that. Obviously this show, models of masters i like to ask every guest for models that they have implemented or that they use to think about the world or to succeed in business that might be different or contrarian to what people are used to feel free to take this where you want but um what what models yeah. are top of mind for you yeah right it's, a, it's a good approach i like where you're going right because if you if you determine desired outcomes then you need models or systems to get there right and then you use kpis or some tracking mechanism to to see if you're on pace but for me the big thing was you know back starting six businesses i'm a hockey player my background so i played hockey coached hockey 
my mentality was always rise and grind, right? We can get through this and uh, there's going to be ups and downs. We'll get through them all. You know, our will, our determination, our motivation, all that, our attitude will be what carries us through to the finish line. And uh, so, you know, I use that in my businesses and, 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 you know, that's how I built my businesses. And that's what I, you know, as a leader, that's the vision that I had for the people around me. You know, it's rise and grind to get through this. And then when I shifted to doing what I do today, right, coaching other founders, yeah. I shifted my model. I shifted it to rise and create. Because you said the word earlier, right? There's a lot of creation going on out there today, right? A lot of creators. And so really now it's all about, I'm going to rise, right? So that part's still there. But then instead of grinding through, I'm going to just create my day, sometimes on the fly, right? I'm going to create my day, create my business, create my marketing plan. I'm going to do a bunch of creation to reach people in different ways instead of grinding my way to reach them, you know, to, to get where they're going and, and being there for them. So the, the, the number one model I have in place today is, you know, it's a mindset thing too, right? And, and almost everything we do is part skill set, part mindset is, you know, business people, right? And uh, so I think mindset has become more and more important to me. And so most of my modeling and the systems that I build, you know, to, to complete my days and create my days are around how mindset can can help me with what I want to accomplish. You know, it's it's mindset, skill set, you know, and that's what it takes. I have to ask you, with the six companies you founded, how involved are you still in those companies? How many have you sold? And do you have any advice on building to sell for other founders who are looking to scale and ultimately exit their business? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't have any equity in any of those businesses other than the one I'm in now, in my coaching business. But uh, yeah, so... <laughs> You know, this is a big trial and error thing, right? And I got a lot of scar tissue trying to figure that question out. And uh, my last business, we did a few acquisitions. You know, we were trying to position ourselves uh, to, you know, to be big enough to, for, to, to be attractive to a buyer. No, I think it's very different than just running a company, right? And trying to build a brand. And, you know, most of the things that you do end up, you know, leading you to be a lifestyle company, right? They don't necessarily get you ready to to sell or be attractive um, for somebody to buy you so i think it goes back to your modeling right like like what you need to do is to put a lot of things in place that are scalable right because most people you know you i mean i think there's two sides to it either you got some really sweet tech or some ip that somebody wants and you become attractive for that reason or you've got a customer base that somebody wants and you've got sales ops or systems or models in place that somebody wants to fold into what they do or even replace what they do because yours is better. So I think the best thing you can do is, you know, is to, is to get through the startup phase, right? As fast as you can, right? As a startup, you wear a bunch of hats, you do what it takes to close business, right? Like, you know, you could be, you could have a, be a data scientist and, and, you know, have an NLP AI company and you're closing business as a data scientist and, you know, that's not scalable. So that could get you to your first, bar you know or, or level of success but really what you need to do is to put things in place that are scalable so when somebody sees that they say wow you guys got the 3x i could buy this business and you know put my time money resources effort into it and 10x it really quickly because you've got repeatable processes in place and especially on the sales side and then going back to what i you know what i said earlier 
how well do you know your buyers? Because, you know, once you know your buyers, you have product market fit, then you can go all in. Then it's about resources, right, to go all in. So if this acquiring company has the resources to do that, then you look really attractive to them. Yeah, boom. That's a mic drop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kevin, is there anything else that I didn't ask today or that you wanted to make sure that we covered? You know, there's nothing more powerful than being a business of one, right? Because every day you wake up and set your feet on the floor, you've got the opportunity either to crush it, right? To rise and create or take the day off and go golfing. So, you know, it's the ultimate accountability. It's not just to give a man or give a team a fish, it's to teach them how to fish, right? So a lot of what I do is I tell you of the tactical layer how to do this and the strategy layer why you want to do this and then you know and then i expand on that and give them the background based on my experience and insight and i mean this added degree of control and ownership and freedom is i think what draws so many people into creating their own thing That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. My book, Content Capitalist, is on sale now. Grab your copy by visiting my website or tapping the link in the episode description. I also just released the online learning portal, which expands on what I share in the book. This includes four hours of edited, captioned video tutorials and trainings, plus dozens of downloadables and templates. Between the book and the e-academy, you're going to be equipped to literally blow your revenue targets out of the water and eviscerate your competition this year, all by putting content at the core. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate, review, comment, and share all the things and hit me up on LinkedIn if you'd like to connect. I am here to serve you and that's it. I will see you in the next episode.